Brick and Mortar Reporter, Episode 101. Hey there, localists. This is Nick Unsworth of Life on Fire. Welcome you to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. Today's podcast is jam-packed with tips, strategies, and the motivation you need to take your business to the next level. I'm excited about what you'll learn from today's interview. And don't forget that choosing local when you have the opportunity is vital to your community. So now, let me introduce your host, Christy Hostler, with today's interview. Hi there, localists. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. Just like Nick said, my name is Christy and I'm your host for today. And before we get to our podcast, I wanted to remind you that if you need a website for any reason whatsoever, simply go to the brickandmortarreporter.com forward slash website. There you'll find what you need to know to get your website up and running on Bluehost, who is the hosting server that I use. And it's a great service. If you go ahead and get your website I will send you a cheat sheet that will show you what plugins you need to go ahead and get on there to make yourself visible to all the people you want to know you're out there, but kind of protect you from the spam and the robots that are also out there that would like to harm your website. So brickandmortarreporter.com forward slash website. So I wanted to give you an update today. I've had a, we're now past the crazy, crazy week between Christmas and New Year's here in Key West. We were at capacity. I was reading in the paper late last night um, the statistics that many places, hotels and that sort of thing, were at 100% capacity for several of the days between um, Christmas and New Year's. And overall, on average, the hotel occupancy in the Keys was about 96% for the entire week, which means rooms were hard to find. They were scarce. I know we had some last-minute visitors pop in saying, hey, we want to spend Christmas and, I mean, New Year's in Key West. And uh, we said, come on down. We've got room for you. So uh, it's a great place to be and a great time of year to be here. Uh, it's going to be 82 degrees today sunny and just absolutely gorgeous. So we have had nothing but beautiful weather and lots and lots of people. So I wanted to give you uh, a couple of updates. I now had about a week of luckily making more, uh, just slightly over the minimum that I need to make to live on. Now you might say that that's, um, you know, why weren't you making more than that with the crazy, you know, crowds in town? What happens is whenever a lot of people come, there's, I would call it the low-hanging fruit. And so many of the vendors that we don't normally see come out. And so it does also kind of dilute the uh, share of wallet that's down there between the other vendors. But I learned a couple of important lessons, and I wanted to get uh, get to those. And, um, you know, I for the, the whole week, I generally have not been taking, for the last couple of two or three weeks, I have not been taking my pizza down to the pier. And there's a couple of reasons for that, but I felt like I, I didn't have a good process down. I didn't have a way to make it fairly efficient. And at the same time, I was doing okay with my uh, ice cream and coffee. And so as last week ended, I was running into a situation where there was no more liquid nitrogen in the Keys. It's not scheduled to be in until tomorrow, which is Tuesday. And I was going to have to figure out something else. So I ended up going down a couple of days with just my pizzas. And the funny thing is when you when you don't have – I have pizza on my, my – 
permanent signage that I have on my food cart. And so I can always tell how many I would have sold by the people that come up and order it, not realizing I didn't, I'm out of it or don't have it. And so I had had people asking for it all week. So when I finally brought it, um, the first night I had ice cream, the very last little drippity drop of liquid nitrogen in the keys. I had a few ice creams that I could make. And then after that, it was nothing but pizza. And so um, it was interesting. The next night I had to go back down and had no liquid nitrogen whatsoever and just could sell pizza and coffee. And I, like I said, I started making the frozen coffee drinks, the mochaccinos and the frappuccinos and sold a few of those as well. So um, I had a decent night um, just selling the pizza. And so what I decided to do is try to get everything done as much as possible ahead of time. So I go ahead and make the pizzas, and I, I cook them until they are almost done, but not quite. And then I take them back down to refrigerated temperature, and then when I ta- then I take them out to the pier, and then I finish cooking. So it's almost like that pre-baking that saves me the most time. So I got it down to um, probably about three minutes from the time I place an order or the time they place an order where I can serve them their pizza. And it's actually really good. And I have just gotten where I keep my grill uh, at five or 600 degrees sitting right there ready to go. And if somebody orders it, I can put it on. And what I've also figured out is that I can put it on, have those folks step aside and continue to serve the line with ice cream or uh, coffee or whatever else they're getting. And so uh, most people understand that there is some sort of preparation time involved with that. And so uh, I'm planning on whenever I go back down to the pier, uh, especially when I have the ice cream as well, is combining the pizza and the ice cream to uh, essentially double the volume that I would normally do. So that is one of those things that, um, you know, you, you get to a point where you feel like you're taking everything but the kitchen sink down to the pier, and then you only have so much room on your food cart And then if you get too many things going on, you end up losing efficiencies and losing, uh, you know, you you have to place things in a way that it just is very awkward to get to them. And there's a lot to be said for ergonomics. And like, I can completely understand how franchises can hone their, even their layout of the counter space and where they would put, you know, I think about a Starbucks or even, you know, McDonald's or something like that and where they put where they put their condiments, where they put their milk, where they put all these things that they're going to have people needing to continually grab all day long. And if you can cut one or two or three steps or seconds off of each one of those processes, you can really streamline your efficiencies and really get it to a point where you can serve your customers faster, which then means you can serve more customers. Now, the one thing about the ice cream that I serve is that it's a little bit of a show because of the liquid nitrogen and and people want to stand there in line and see that. There's nothing for show about the pizza. So when I have people sitting there waiting for pizza, no one's going to stand there in line and just look at me, you know, while I'm waiting for the pizza to cook. But if I've got people waiting on pizza and I'm also making ice cream for the next person in line, again, I've given them something to look at. I've given them a show, makes them not so 
resistant to standing there because a lot of them would stand there and gawk or take pictures anyway. And so um, I'm definitely going to combine those and get the, the revenue that I need coming in for uh, both of with the, both of those combined, I should be able to have a you know a decent nights consistently and make sure that I'm getting what I need to get. We do have a few more days this week where a cruise ship is going to be blocking sunset, and so when that happens, there's really um, you know the the tourist traffic is there's nothing to see. I mean, you're looking at a big wall of an older tourist uh, older cruise ship. And so we've got to, uh, Monday night and Tuesday night where the boats are blocking sunset. So I'll be glad whenever the 12 days a year are exhausted uh, where they can actually block sunset. And then we can get on with the business of what we do. So I uh, wanted to give you those updates. And, you know, I still I learn some things. And even if you can figure out in your business, it doesn't matter what repetitive task you have your employees doing, or even if you're you're doing it yourself, whether it's on the computer and you can figure out a shortcut, whether it's a physical task or process that they're doing and you can rearrange something. You know, I was thinking about this too the other day um, because I'm left-handed and uh, that is uh, uh, very different than, you know, of course, the 90% of the world that is not left-handed. And uh, probably explains a lot about the way I am, though, because I think there are some definite personality traits that left-handed people have that maybe some right-handed people don't have. But I, um, I think if you had some sort of a physical setup, whether you were dealing with the person being right-handed or left-handed, it would definitely make a difference in how you set up a physical area. Um, in the one of the last jobs I had in uh, managing the call center for a, a small school supply company, uh, we had a very busy season from March to May. And really during that time, once I finished and got all my reps off the phones and we closed down the phones for the day, I would head out into the warehouse because we might have two or three more hours of packing and shipping and trying to get as much as we could. We, we always had a same-day shipping goal, so everything that was ordered that day needed to be shipped that day. And we would ship right up until the point that UPS would say, all right, we've got to go. We're going to miss the plane to get these packages out of the, you know, the hub here. And so I would go back to the warehouse and I would just jump on the, the pack belt or jump on the manifestation or whatever point in time they needed extra help with something. And I found so many times that those tables were completely set up backwards for me because I'm left-handed and everyone else was right-handed. At the same time, if I could get on one side of the pack belt versus the other side, I was not continually having to reach across my body and I wasn't having to use my weak side to try to, um, you know, get, get stuff moving and to try to reach for things and, and keep things moving along the pack belt. So these are things that you should consider. And I don't really care what, if you're a solopreneur or if you're a, you know, business owner, if you can focus on streamlining your efficiencies, and I will also tell you this. If you have employees, they like to do things their way. And their way is not necessarily the most efficient way. It's the most comfortable way for them. And so whether it is, you know, insisting that they use 
uh, shortcuts on a keyboard versus using a mouse or whether it's insisting that they do something in a certain order versus another way. There are efficiencies that you as a business owner are going to have to say, we have got to follow this process because I need this to be done and I need this many done in this amount of time. And the only way we're going to get there is by doing it the way I am telling you to do it. And honestly, when you're the business owner, you're the one that sets the process. Now, if you let people continue to do it their own way, they're going to continue to do it their own way. And they're not going to understand the importance of following every single task. I don't like to be a micromanager. But at the same time, when you're paying someone and you expect a certain amount of productivity, efficiency, or accuracy from them with whatever they're doing, you do have a right to essentially lay out the process. And I think so many small business owners don't go this far and they just say, well, I just need you to get it done. I'm just worried about the results. Sometimes the getting there will get you the results or how you get there will, will change the results. I'll give you an example. Um, right before I left my last job, I was talking to the operations manager in the warehouse at the, the company that I worked with. And they had, they, they were, we were talking about the role of a picker. And this would just be somebody who would take an order with a packing list and a tote, and they would put it on their cart, and they would go down the aisle of inventory, and they would pick the items and the quantities that the customer had ordered. They would check it off a list. And they would put it back on their cart and they would take it into to like a belt and it would move on to another zone in the warehouse or it would go all the way to the pack belt if it was completely done. So I'm painting the picture for you to try to get you to understand what happened. Many times we pickers thought that by grabbing two or three or four totes, they, they nested in each other, so they would just grab a stack of three or four of them and they would walk down the aisle and they would try to uh, look at all four of these totes and figure out, well, I'm already in this item number. Does anything else in any of these totes have this item number? And I'll go ahead and pick them now. And then they would, as they went down, they and they would finally get one order complete. They would move it to the lower shelf on their cart. And then they would go back and they would do um, the next one. And then they would go, oh, oh, I forgot this one has this other item and it's all the way down on the other end of the the zone and I need to go back and grab that. Okay, got that. Then they would go and mark it all off and eventually all four would make it to the, the next zone of the, the pack belt and, and the order would get out of there. What we were noticing is items on orders were getting mixed up. In other words, they would see an item from one packing list and pick it and by the time they would pick it, they would put it in the wrong tote on their cart. Or they would put an item in a car, in a tote and they would not mark it off the packing list. And so no one, you know, no one would know that item was in there and they would pick it again. So the customer then would get double. At the same time, we also noticed items were getting left off because they, you know, there was a specific way the zone was laid out and the way the items printed out on the packing list, they went right down that zone and what you would be, you know, coming to uh, in, in order of how they were laid out on the floor. And so, Whenever people got out of order, they would either cross off the wrong item or they would put the wrong item in the tote. And we, so we had a lot of accuracy issues. At the same time, there was so much back and forth 
because you would get down thinking you'd gotten them all and then you'd go move on to the next part of the zone and realize you'd forgotten something and then you have to go all the way back. So the operations manager and I were talking about this and she, and she finally said to me, you know what, I'm starting a, a beta test tomorrow and for two weeks we're going to only let people have one to one tote on their cart that they're picking from at a time and they can't pick up another one until they get rid of that one. And so instead of having three and four and five piled high on their, their carts, um, they were just going to be able to pick one. And oh my goodness, you would have thought she had cut their wages by in half by 50% with the flack she got for this. This is never going to work. This is going to slow us down. This is going to be terrible. Well, she did the test for two weeks, and then she looked at the results. And the great thing was... Everyone assumed it would be much slower and they would get, it would be, take them longer and they would get more errors and as far as the accuracy of getting these orders out. And what happened was it really was different whenever the data came in. They were more efficient and they reduced their errors. So this simple change in process, even though it seemed a little bit counterintuitive because, hey, you're going to be walking up there every single time for a tote, it changed because it did one of two things. It made them focus only on the tote they had in front of them. And they could go through and they could pick it in exactly the way it had been laid out and designed from the beginning. At the same time, if that manager wanted to see how many totes had not yet been picked, they could simply look at the belt right in front of the zone where all those unpicked totes were and see them all. Previously, they would look at that belt and think, oh, we're getting close to getting our, all of our orders picked. But then if you actually went down and looked at the aisles of each zone, you might see four or five pickers with six or eight or ten totes on their cart. Well, it changes things whenever you have 40 orders that are still out there or you're down to the last two on the belt. So all part of that whole lean organization making the work visible, it made the work visible to everyone. It also streamlined what they were doing and helped them focus. And so, you know, I give you that as an example of you're going to get flack whenever you tell your employees we're going to make a change. But the good news is you always have the option of collecting the data from how they're doing it currently and seeing, you know, stand there with a stopwatch and see how long it takes them. See how many times they're going over the same area. See how many times they're reaching for the same thing or they're taking two or three steps along with a reach versus just reaching right down and grabbing something. If you look at these kinds of things and you collect the data from how they were doing it, and then instead of saying this is how we're going to change it and we're going to do it this way forevermore, do a test. Say we're doing a test. And, you know, the employees can always sabotage a test, but it's up to you to manage that. But do a test and compare the results and let the data be your guide. And so once you do that, the employees can't really argue with the data. And if they truly have the best interests of the company in, in heart, they're going to want to go with what is the best for the company and for the efficiency and the productivity. So, um, you know, don't be afraid to get a little flack from your employees. You are the boss. It is your company. And um, I'm working on, you know, trying to streamline things things so that I can get my ice cream and my pizza and my coffee and my caramel corn on my cart all at the same time and make sure I can service everyone efficiently. And so I run into these things all the time where I'm just thinking, I need to rearrange this. I need to, you know, I need to not package this together. I need to, even whenever I'm planning out uh, where I'm putting my things, whenever I store them to transport them. 
it's just one of those things where you've got to start thinking through the whole process and looking at it that way. So my plan for the next week is to take pizza and ice cream. I can start getting liquid nitrogen again tomorrow, and I will have that and ready to go down. And again, we're going to see a dip in a little bit of the um, tourism. It's not the high season. People are kind of having to face reality, and it's January 1st and, and 1st of the new year, and they got to get back to work. So um, it'll be a few days. At the same time, most people that work regular jobs, what happens in January? Anyone that's ever managed a group of people knows what happens. Can you guess? People get all new paid time off amounts and suddenly their sick time resets and their vacation time resets and you know what happens at least it always happened for me in january all those chronic call-in people oh phew i've got sick time again i can now start calling in again so we always had the worst attendance in january i'm sure it was because it was in the throes of flu season not really people just got tired they did they didn't want to come back to work after the holidays they got a little bit lazy and thought, hey, I've got this time, I'll take it. And so they did. And so uh, at the same time, we'll have we'll have plenty of tourists in town because uh, there's tons of cruise ships going through. There's also a lot of other things going on. So we'll, we'll still get some traffic, but I hope to double what I've been doing in my revenues based on having all of those items on my card at the same time. And if I follow the process I did and I experimented it with this weekend, uh, like I say, I got it down to about three minutes, which is not very long. I mean, I think even when you go to a fast food restaurant, you wait three minutes sometimes for your meal. So should be good to go. And I'll keep giving you updates and results and that sort of thing as we uh, get on in the week and see how we're doing and I might abandon my idea but that's that's exactly what I'm doing right now so again you guys I cannot tell you we're already um, today is January 5th and already um, we are only a couple hundred downloads away from the full amount that we had in the month of December and so we're now talking about thousands of people listening every single day or every single month not every single day yet but every single month rather than hundreds and so I am thrilled about that and so in January we're clearly going to have a record uh, breaking uh, download month because we've already almost hit what we did for the full month of December so I guess people are ramping up got their New Year's resolutions and they're ready to rock and roll so thank you for joining me on this journey and I wanted to also tell you before I let you go that if you need a website for anything, if you've got your goal set for 2015 to get your business off the ground or to do some blogging or whatever it is you want to do, simply go to brickandmortarreporter.com forward slash website and there you can find the space you need to put in the web address you want to purchase. It'll tell you how much it is, if it's available, and you can go ahead and make that purchase if you do. I will send you a plug-in cheat sheet that will show you what you need to go ahead and get on your website and get it set up for yourself so that you can get out there in the internet world or in the real world, whatever you're wanting to do for 2015. So brickandmortarreporter.com forward slash website will give you everything you need to go. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey. I appreciate your follow. I appreciate you letting me get in your head for a minute. And I wish you all the best for today. All right. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. 
I'm Nick Unsworth of Life on Fire, reminding you that building your business happens step by step. Whether you're just starting or growing your business, use what you heard in this interview today to build a strong foundation for your business. Make sure you don't miss a single episode by subscribing to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast in iTunes. And remember, when you have the choice, choose local. 